thanks so much for joining Home Church. Today, as we begin to worship, I just want to challenge you to prepare your hearts, to get your minds ready for what God wants to do in your life today. Thanks for joining in again. And I'm Pastor Heath. This is Pastor Christian. We're talking about a series entitled Living Past the Altar. And today we're going to talk about the priesthood of believers. So if you have a Bible, turn with us to Exodus chapter 29, verse 4. And I'm going to pray. Father, I pray today for every person watching or listening to this online. God, that they will know that they have a purpose in Christ. Lord, that they have power in Christ. Lord, that you called them to be different, to be peculiar, uh, Lord, to have a special place near your throne, Lord, to minister to you and to bring others to Christ. God, that not one person 
Lord, watching or listening to this, God, have you put aside or, or said they're not good enough? Or Lord, that you've given them a pass on doing things for your glory. Or that we are all called, Lord, for a holy purpose uh, in Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray we live that out in, in your name. Amen. Uh, Pastor Christian, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in church. And I uh, had no ambition for ministry. In fact, I did not want to do anything in public eye at all. I was very nervous, very shy. Uh, but I used to think that only special people did ministry. So uh, growing up and seeing people speak in public or you know, someone would give maybe a prophetic word in our church or speak in tongues or see a healing or cast a demon out, I never actually thought that normal people could do that. I, I literally thought, that was for other people. That was for those special anointed holy. Maybe that sister so-and-so in the back row, brother right. so-and-so might do that too. But really it's just pastors, evangelists, and, and people like that. Those are the special, uh, peculiar people. What about you? Right. Uh, I don't know that I, I, I could say that I, I did grow up in church and I got to see a lot of that going on. And thankfully I, I grew up in a church where they allowed us younger people, taught us to right. that that was okay. That you know that that regular people, so to speak, right. did that as well. Now I've always had a calling to go into ministry on in my life, um, so I'm a little bit a little yeah. bit different than you. I always felt like this is what I was going to do. Um, so, but thankfully, I grew up in a church that allowed me to practice in those things. Yeah. So I think there are two. I think there are two sets of people, maybe even watching us today on uh, just like Pastor Christian and my, myself. Uh, I never thought I would be good enough or have the skill set uh, to pastor or to preach or to teach. That definitely wasn't in my, my, my wanting or long or even ability. And then we have those of us who grew up in church and man, I, I think I want to do this. In the, I believe in the modern church today, one of the biggest hindrances of growth is this thing called the clergy laity barrier. It's something that says that uh, that's them up there on the stage, and this is us here in the audience. And what happens a lot of times in, in the modern American church is we come in and we treat church like a business, and we come in and we pay our dues, and we sit on the seats, and we expect this product to us, and we pay our dues to produce uh, an intended result. Most of the ministry burden is handled by a few volunteers or some paid professionals, and we expect the mission to go along just fine. But in fact, uh, God hasn't designed His church uh, for that model of ministry. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, about uh, what qualifies someone to be used by God and what does God want to do with your life? Uh, what is some unique calling perhaps that God has for you? And maybe you, today you feel like you're not worthy or good enough to be used by God, or maybe today you're eager and longing to figure out how you can be used by God. And we're going to talk uh, with you uh, through that. So let's look at Exodus chapter 29. Verse 4, I'm going to set the stage for us, and Pastor Christian's going to read. We're going to talk about a priesthood that's set aside, a priesthood that was prophesied, and a priesthood that was realized. And this is the narrative we're looking at this uh, illustration of the tabernacle uh, through this whole series. So there was this group of people who were, they were a, uh, a group of people from a tribe called the Levites. And inside the tribe of Levi were a group of people from the family of Aaron. And that was Moses' uh, brother. So they, they have this family in who they're all Levites, but this unique family is called by God uh, to be the priests of Israel. 
All right, so remember, God is desired, this holy God is desired to dwell in the midst of a sinful people. He's veiled his presence. He set a system to deal with their sin. He's in the middle of their mess. But because he's consuming fire, no one can come as they will. So he sets these priests to be mediators of his covenant. Priests were a few things. They were peculiar. The Levites and the priests were both peculiar. They couldn't own uh, property. They could only marry virgins. Uh, they had to dress a certain way, act a certain way, and were set apart from the rest of the tribes. They were a little different. They were consecrated, used specifically for God's purpose, and He would be their inheritance. So they were peculiar. They were also preachers, preachers of righteousness. They reminded the people that you couldn't just come to God however you wanted. You couldn't jump the fence and come in this way. You couldn't bring whatever kind of sacrifice you wanted into the, the courtyard of the, of the tabernacle. You couldn't just do things how you wanted. In fact, if you would touch this thing, you might even die. And so the Levites were there to warn people and say, hey, we're gonna protect you from God's judgment. There is a way to find salvation. There is a way to find blessing, but you must come this way. So in that way, they were preachers. But there was this ordination process, this calling process that God would institute. And so let's read that just for a minute and how it applies to your life and my life. So Exodus chapter 29, verse 4. Let's go there. All right, it says this. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. You shall take the garments and put on Aaron the tunic and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. Then you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. You shall bring his sons and put tunics on them. You shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and bind caps on them. And they shall have the priesthood by a perpetual statute. So you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. So, Pastor Christian, let's just talk through some of the things that this, there's this whole ceremony for this uh, initiating new priests, uh, especially this first time with Aaron and his family. And so, first off, right off the bat, we find out they were called. So they're called. They were called by God. They're chosen by His grace right. that He was, it was just Him. He decided to choose this family on this tribe. So they were called. They were also consecrated. Consecrated means set apart or made holy. They were to set their lives and their families, their whole life would be set apart for God's purposes. So they're consecrated. In fact, they were, there's a word that says they were ordained and that passage says that you shall ordain Aaron. That word ordained there uh, in that passage means to fill the hand, literally fill the hand. So in a sense, it's filling the hand with good things and the hand is also kind of symbolic of power. So it right. says, we're going to fill you with good things, with holy things, with power. We're going to anoint you, ordain you, to set you apart, to do this job. And God's going to give you the power to do this job. So that's kind of ordination. And one of the things they would do as they ordained them, especially Aaron, they would take anointing oil or holy oil, mostly olive oil. They'd pour it over his head and it would run all the way down his beard over his clothes. Seeing like the power of the Holy Spirit is what it symbolized would be upon them. They would be ordained. They would take uh, oil and blood and they'd sprinkle it on your clothes and around the, all this was sprinkled with oil and blood, but definitely them as well, sprinkled with oil and blood, symbolize, hey, we've been dealing with your sin here, that God's anointing you for this specific task, anointing you, uh, meaning that you've been uh, empowered for this job as well. 
they would uh, wash their bodies, these guys, they would completely wash them as if to baptize them. And then before and after every sacrifice, they would come to this basin, uh, this bronze basin. And before the sacrifice, they'd wash their hands and feet. And then after the medical sacrifice for people, but, and before they entered into the, the holy place, they'd wash their hands and feet again. So it's kind of like they had this full-on washing, but then there's just always this continual washing, meaning like you are never good enough on your own to even make sacrifices for others, that you must be continually washed by God, even to do ministry. All right, so there's that. Uh, and then there was, there was multiple sacrifices. There was blood offering for them. So before even they could do work for God, there was a sin offering for them and their family. Then there was a burnt offering, meaning that the whole sacrifice they made would be completely consumed, meaning that your life would be consumed for the purpose of God. And then they would take uh, another ram and the blood of that ram and they would anoint their uh, right ear, the right thumb, and their right foot so that they would symbolize, hey, you need to hear God's voice. Everything you put your hand to needs to be for the purpose of God. And everywhere your feet go need to be for the purpose of God. And all that to sum up, to even to get to their clothes, which were made from the very veil uh, uh, inside the tabernacle. And so the priests, they had turbans on, they had, wore white robes. Then the high priest had special clothing. He had like this blue, blue robe on, on top of it. So they had all, all the robes were one piece, they weren't divided. They had a blue robe on and they had a uh, kind of this sash that would go across them. They had this, uh, 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 this kind of like a vest, you'd say, all right? So this blue vest and it had gold and scarlet and purple on it. And then on top of that vest, there would be this breastplate. They would have the 12 tribes, stones listed on it, you know, each uh, 12 stones. And on his head, a high priest, there would be a crown, a diadem, and on it would say, holiness to the Lord, as if that your whole crown, your goal, your glory in life was that your life would be holy to the Lord, like this pleasing offering to the Lord. So we can see a lot of symbolism in the New Testament in that. If you're a Bible expert, you know, out there, or you're you're been in the Word a lot, you're going to pull a lot of things out of that. But what does all this really mean uh, for you and for, for us? All these things these priests had to do. And uh, the thing I come to today is, if I was to look at these people and to come up in that day, you know, look at, man, look at that dude, man, he's got gold on and sash on, he's got all this breastplate and, uh, you know, this special covering of God and all these stones. He's really cool. He must be really special. He's the only guy that can go into that tabernacle once a year. Yeah, and, you know, the holy place. He's, he, him and all those guys can go in there and they can touch things and they can do things. And if we would touch it, we'd die. But man, they can do all that. Uh, didn't that speak a lot to how we view ministry and ministers today? Like, man, I wish I could be like that singer. I wish I could do what they could do. Uh, has that ever spoke to you in your life? Yeah, I think it does. And I think the important thing that we have to remember, even, I, even I've been thinking about this lately, is it's hard for me even sometimes to compare myself to other people. You know, these guys, these priests, really were no better than anybody else right. was. There was nothing special about them. Yeah. Yes, they were chosen by God and, and all that, but we're all chosen by God to right. do a specific work. Right. You know, you and I had a conversation earlier about someone who sings really well. Man, I right. wish I could sing. I wish I could be a part of, of that certain, you know. Right. And that's great. And everybody has a certain calling and a talent, but there was nothing special yeah. about these people. Yeah. They were the same. Yeah. 
they, they had to go through all the same sacrifices and the continual washing that we all have to go through. Yeah. And for you and I, it's the same thing. If we're called by God, we're chosen by God, there's nothing special about us, but it's Him who lives inside of us. Yeah. You know, what, what, what qualifies us to, to do the work for God? Right. It's simply a surrendered life to God, completely yeah. surrendered to Him. And so if we've surrendered our life to Him, that's what qualifies us. Nothing makes us special yeah. other than God living on the inside of us and doing His work and doing what we are called to do, not comparing ourselves to other people. Right. Because if we constantly compare ourselves to other people, then we're always going to fall short. Right. Because we're never good enough. That's right. Or we err on the other side, and we think we're always good enough and yeah. we're better than everybody else. And I think that's what happened. And if you look at the history of the priesthood, oftentimes, even in, in Samuel's day, and uh, ask Levi, or Eli, you know, the priesthood was continually corrupted. And we get to the day of Jesus, man, these guys were puppets of Rome and completely corrupted, bought off. Right. And so we find out these guys, in a sense, weren't special. What made them special is that they were chosen by God's grace and they obeyed the word of God by faith. And so you may look at ministers and people around the world that do great things for God today and say, man, I wish I could be like them. Well, the good news is you can. You can live out God's calling for your life and realize that you have a holy calling. So we're gonna talk about that just for a second and then move into the next part. So there was this priesthood that was established, that was set apart. But then there was this priesthood that was prophesied. Pastor Christian, read for us Exodus chapter 19, verse five. All right, it says, now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So we've got this unique group of priests and this priesthood. And then we see that God is saying to Moses, he says, but Moses, I'm calling the whole nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. In fact, this is a prophetic utterance that you, my people, are to be all of you priests, a kingdom of priests to the nations. And so we find this in, in fast forward that God would send uh, us his son, Jesus Christ. And the author of Hebrews makes it very clear he'd come and be our high priest. And this, this whole idea, when he comes in the, the tabernacle, the temple at that time, uh, the week before he was to be crucified. He comes and he turns over this table. You remember the story, Pastor Chris? He turns the tables over and he says, my house should be called a what? A house of prayer for the nations. Meaning that God's goal is that all the people of the world would come and find him and that Israel and the, and the Hebrews were supposed to be people who were leading people, mediating between the world and God. Jesus makes that possible. He becomes a great high priest. And let's just go fast forward through this story. He calls 12 disciples and he leads them and trains them. They're all baptized. And he says, you're going to do things. These signs and wonders are going to follow those who believe. And you're going to cast out demons. You're going to lay your hands on the sick. You're going to speak in new tongues. You can drink deadly things. It's not going to harm you. And, and all these things. And he even breathes on them. Before uh, he ascends, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he commissions them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to the nations. And he says, that's how the end's going to come, that you're going to preach the gospel. But then he says something, he says, wait until you receive power. The promise of the Father is coming. Wait until you receive power from on high. And then you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. 
Now, if you look at that, uh, it's just like this moment. The high priest has now initiated a new priesthood. In fact, Pastor Chris, remember the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took his robe off and he washed his disciples' feet. That's just as symbolic as this washing of the basin. Even Peter says to him, he says, Lord, don't just do my feet, do my whole body also. Jesus says, Peter, if you're already clean, you don't have to wash again. That's what the high priests would do. They would wash their whole bodies, but then before making a sacrifice, they would simply wash their hands and feet. And here we have Jesus, the very night he was betrayed, before he makes that sacrifice, he washes their feet. So how cool is that? The priesthood began. All right, now look, look at here. You and I have a part in this priesthood. Every single one of us who's been called by God, who's been applying the blood of Jesus to our life, are called not to just stand idly by and watch others minister, but God has chosen all of us. In fact, in Acts chapter 11, they have this moment where the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles, and Peter says to them, he says, well, I guess if they have the Holy Spirit, God's chosen them. Because, think about this, only one guy, one high priest once a year could come into this most holy place. And if that same spirit that was in that most holy place is now resting upon so many people, Peter says, this is the day where Jesus or the Lord prophesied that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters, old men, young men, even your slaves, men and women, would be prophesying. He says, that's the day. It's here. That same Holy Spirit is now going out across the world, filling people. So what does that mean? Pastor Christian, what does that mean for us today that, man, this Spirit of God is now, He's no respecter of persons anymore. You know, I think about, like, for instance, myself. I, I, if I'm being honest, I, have, I don't really have a, I don't have a theological, I didn't go to a theological seminary. Right. Uh, I didn't go to a Bible college. I, I do have training that has trained me to minister to people and, and I went to a Bible training ministry school and, and I've done a Berean School of the Bible which right. is training through uh, to teach me how and this, this and that. But I don't have a theological uh, degree hanging on my wall in my office. Right. I don't. There's nothing there. I mean, I have my certificates but that's it. Yeah. The, uh, so I think a lot of my uh, about myself whenever we talk about um, this, but here's what I do have. I do have the Holy Spirit living yeah. on the inside of me. Yeah. And that's enough for me to want to go out. And I can't sit idly by. There was a season where, where I was um, not uh, a pastor yeah. at a church. Uh, I do, you know, we hold that title because, yeah. you know, I've been ordained through whatever, you know, as soon as I got. But I was, there was a season uh, of several, several months where I was not, I was just like anybody else. I sat in the congregation. Uh, I served in, in kids' church, I served in youth, and I drove the van for the van ministry. And I couldn't sit idly by, though. There was not, there was not a way for me just to sit there, to come to a Sunday service. And Now, there's a, there's a time where we need to be refilled and right. refilled because if we don't, then we burn ourselves out, and then we can't serve anybody. Yeah. But I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me which gives me the desire, a burning, this should give us a burning passion and a desire to see those who are lost come into the kingdom yeah. of Christ. Not to sit idly by and say, oh, someone else will do it, I'm gonna pull back. And, oh, I, I've, I've served in church for long enough and I just feel kind of burnt out, I'm just gonna. Yeah, can you imagine one of these guys doing that? Right, and, and yeah. it would, there would be, 
if if that was to happen, the yeah. church would die. Yeah, it would be dead. Yeah, because there would be no one doing the work and yeah. it, it, it doing the fulfilling the great commission. Yeah, to go and to make disciples. If everybody was to say, "Ah, oh, someone else will do it. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, someone else will do it." then the Great Commission would not get fulfilled to right. go and to make disciples of all nations. Yeah, and what a privilege. And it is a privilege, yeah. and, we should, and we shouldn't take it lightly. Right. But there's, no, there, there's nothing that qualifies me other than me having a burning, the, the Holy Spirit living yeah. on the inside of me, a relationship with Jesus, my life surrendered to Christ, and I have a burning passion and a desire to see those who are lost come into the kingdom. That's good, that's good. And that's them, that, that's, that's so, what was his goal. And, and maybe today, you're uh, maybe one of two people. I think maybe out there today, uh, you could be sitting and saying, man, I really wish I could be used by God, but there's really no talent in me. I don't, I'm not good enough. I'm not special. Uh, I don't have what it takes. And maybe on the other side, uh, there's uh, some out there that say, you know what, I, I'm kind of comfortable where I am. Uh, I, I like letting the professionals do the job. That's what I, I'm kind of comfortable sitting on this pew or these chairs in our churches and and maybe I'll serve occasionally but you know that's just not me I'm not that person and maybe you don't have a desire to be a person used by God in, in peculiar different ways I'm gonna challenge you today of where God says uh, what he says about you uh, and look with us in in first Peter chapter 2 verse 9 because there was a priesthood set aside there was a priesthood that was prophesied and today where you and I live there is a priesthood that should be realized. And so Peter says it this way, and Pastor Chris is going to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and into, the marvelous, into His marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You are not received. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here's Peter, one of these guys that was with Jesus and was commissioned by him, and he says, "Church, that prayer and prophecy that God told Moses, I want all my people to be a priesthood." He says, "Now it's realized. You were once not even a people. You had no part in any of this as Gentile nations." But he says, "Now you have have a part. Now you are that peculiar people. Now you are that." holy nation. Now you are that royal priesthood. And even the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 1 and chapter 5, he sees Christ coming back and he sees this, the church. And he says this, he says, He has made us to be a kingdom, priest to God and Father, to Him be the glory. And he goes on in chapter 5, he says, You made them, he's talking every tribe, every nation, to be a kingdom and priest to our God. Now reign upon the earth. In fact, he sees all the saints there uh, in heaven with white robes dipped in blood, just like a priest. Remember, these guys have white robes and they're dealing with blood all the time. Don't you think you're gonna get blood like a butcher at a butcher's shop, right? right? You're gonna have blood all over you. He sees them like that and he even sees Christ that way. So Christ is our great high priest and we are these Levites. The entire church is a priesthood fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Let me show you how that works. Think of it this way. You and I are been called by the grace of God, just like them. None of us are special apart from our calling in Jesus Christ. They weren't special either, but it's what God says about us, and that's who we are. We have been called, sealed with the Holy Spirit, chosen by God through His grace. We have been forgiven. 
by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just like these priests had to have personal atonement, so do we. We've been forgiven by the blood. We've been sprinkled by His blood. His blood has been poured out just like it was on the altar for each of us. Go even further. We've all been washed. Through baptism, we're completely washed through the Holy Spirit. But then Paul tells Timothy, he says, you are washed through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. That's that continual washing, renewing of our mind. Just like the priest had to continually be washing and serving others. That's what Jesus has called us to. To continually be washed by the Holy Spirit and continually serve others, leading them to Christ. Go even further, that we were clothed just like they were clothed, especially the Apostle Paul repeatedly says, you've got to put on Christ. He talks about the armor of God, but he also talks about clothing yourself. We've been clothed with His righteousness, so we put on Christ, even His mind. Think about it even going on further, that you are consecrated, set apart. Paul says in Romans 12, present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's what it meant. They gave up their lives, they gave up their families to do the job of leading others closer to God. That's what your calling is in Christ as well. Go even further. It says you were anointed, just like they were anointed with the oil of, the, of, of offering. Uh, we too have the oil over us. That's the Holy Spirit when He comes upon you. They would receive the ordination, the, uh, the filling of their hands with power, symbolically. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them filled them with power to do the ministry God had called them to do. And maybe you need that today. Maybe you're waiting for that moment for God to ordain you, to fill you with something holy, to empower you, to do the calling that you already have in Jesus Christ. So I challenge you today, maybe you don't know that you're called to be a priest because in the last days, in Revelation, you're going to be a priest in eternity to God forever. You're going to be ministering to God, just like a Levite. And until that time, you and I have been called to lead people closer to God. Think about these guys in this final point. They were to tell people, don't go this way. You can't enter into the presence of God any other way. You must come the one way. You must come God's way. And your job and my job until the time that Jesus calls us home is simply that. There's a lost and dying world that God desires to be in the middle of their mess and dwell within them. And we're called to tell them, hey guys, you can't enter into eternity any way you want. You can't jump over the fence. You can't come through the doors any other way but then through Jesus. There's only one way to enter eternity and live and have your sins forgiven, and that's through Jesus. That's the calling of this final priesthood. We challenge you today that you'd put on Christ, that you'd be washed in, in the water of righteousness of the Holy Spirit, that you'd put the blood of Jesus and apply it to your life, and then you would accept the call to not just sit on a pew or, or sit idly by in your church and not to sit back and think you're not special and you're not good enough. God loves you. He's called you. You're peculiar. You're different. That He set you apart for this mighty purpose in these last days to lead people to Him. Would you pray with us today and accept that challenge and continually be washed in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Father, I pray for every person watching and listening today. They would apply these words from your, from your scripture, your holy scripture by faith and do it to their life, Lord, that they would follow you into the calling of Jesus Christ to accept that great commission, to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. They would give them the ability to do what you've called them to do. Lord, may we not make excuses. May we make the sacrifice to know serving you and ministering to you will be 
far worth it. It'll be more than we could ever ask or think, Lord. What a privilege it is to serve you. And God, that every person out there, Lord, who accept Jesus Christ is called to be a priest. That priests, every believer is a priest with purpose and power. And so, Father, may we live that out in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening in online today. We are so glad you're with us. Hey, if you need to know Jesus, click on our homepage. Go to sanctuaryfwc.com. We want to pray with you. It's a very simple thing to say, God, I give you my life, but it's going to cost us something. That's to say, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my way of thinking, living, and doing. I count the cost, but I want to know this Jesus who loves me, has given his life up for me. Would you take a moment and do that online? We want to connect with you and pray with you and that get you connected to the right place and leads you in the discipleship process. Where do you go from here? Next, families have home church. As we continue this season, be the church at home. Stand in your living rooms, pray, worship together, give online and say, God bless this home. Moms and dads, lead your children. Go to Right Now Media through our website and lead them in our kids program. And lastly, as you help us continue the mission of Sanctuary Family Worship Center, we are continuing to send missions around the world and here locally. You can give by text to give online or through the mail. And we love you. We hope to see you next week.